The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. So maybe we can't record the chit chat during guess the break. Not. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time. We're back on the Sour Hour. I'm your host, Jay, here with Scott. Hi. With opinions on things. Hi. Me? <laughs> what? We're at the Brewing Network Studios in downtown Concord. Also, Beaver on the house. Hey, Beaver. Hi, Beaver. Hi. Hi. Good. Good content. I'm a professional. Yeah, you're <laughs> professional what? <laughs> Off to a great start, guys. <laughs> Tonight's guest, Breakside Brewery's own Ben Edmonds. I think it's Ben. Ben's beer's got us lit up. Yeah, they're Although, great. Well, the problem is yeah. they're, you know, we're, we're moderate. We're moderate here. You know, we yeah. have tiny tasting glasses. We're taking tiny tastes. Like 12 but, tiny but then once, But then once the beer is good, yeah, yeah we, go for, <laughs> we go for refills and it's game on. Yeah, that's right. Um, also, does Ben have, do you have, he doesn't have uh, ABVs on these beers, it looks like. I did not see one. He's sneaky. He's sneaky. He's, he's sneaky. What were we talking, did we tease something out before the uh, break? Yeah, I wanted to know what, uh, welcome back to the show, Ben from Breakside. I wanted to know how many barrels were, were in his uh, cellar. That's right. Ben? Are you guys, you guys got me there? We do. You're live. You're back in this dimension. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, in the... The mixed culture and sour side, we're about 200 casks, so uh, we don't do any fooders. We're all, you know, for the most part, 59-gallon uh, wine barrels, Pinot Noir barrels from the Willamette Valley here. And then on the, you know, rest of our kind of strong ale, bourbon, gin barrels, Pinot Noir, apple brandy, things like that, rum barrels, we're around uh, 350, 400. Yeah, that's definitely pretty robust to the... Uh... Not the rare barrels. I will say that. <laughs> it doesn't sound that far away. No, no. That's a lot of barrels. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's a lot. ladder that Jay's staff uses to push between barrels, and it is substantially taller than the one that we have. Oh, yeah, the ladder, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a sweet ladder, but <laughs> enough about ladders. That's for the ladder hour. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the, the question arose from the previous show's question about uh, how to track Yes. If you have a barrel seller, how to track what's going on in what barrel. And He said next time you had someone with a lot of barrels. And, I, yeah, I consider that a lot of barrels. Yeah. I mean, really anything over, like, 40 or 50 oak barrels to me is a lot of – that's a lot of oak barrels. Absolutely. And I know that my mind, speaking as a, a non-numbersy, mathy guy, unless it pertains to poker, I completely get it then. But, I, like, <laughs> I can imagine looking at an Excel spreadsheet, you know, that's tracking a 400-barrel seller and just being, like, overwhelmed. And my mind would just be swimming. I, just, I think that the inclination, right, is to is to move toward a production mindset, and that's fine. I think there are some really, really excellent producers of sour and mixed culture beer in the country who, like, treat their wood cellars as production, basically mini production breweries. It just happens to be that your vessels are 59-gallon casks rather than, you know, 3 or 20 or 80 barrel stainless steel fermenters, and then... But I think the hard thing to do is if you don't want to treat it like production, where you don't 
think about yield per batch, where you don't view every single fill of barrels as then later being something that comes out at a set date later on. That, that to me, is very challenging. Yeah, I agree. Before we dive in too much deeper, I wanted to just do a couple of other top-of-the-show things and remind you all to call in. 888-41-BEER. Join us in the chat. You can email Scott and I, scott at thebrewingnetwork.com, jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Watch us. We have a new creepy camera in here. That's at thebrewingnetwork.com. Wait for the camera, Jay. T- Excuse me? It's zoomed in on your nostril. Wait for the it. camera. <laughs> We're just staring at creepily. Wait a minute. Let me. Oh, did you switch <laughs> it? Excellent. I just zoomed in on you. you, you can... oh, that, oh, it changes color when you zoom in? You can yeah. see this now or after the fact at brewingnetwork.com slash TV. Slash TV. Yeah. Yes. Listen live so you don't have this riffraff. You well, what... you'll still hear about it, but. You know what you would suck at? Being me? the star of a float in a parade. Where they, they were, you know, wave to the crowd. You're oh. stone-faced. Wave to the crowd, Jay. And Watch you're just sounds terrible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can get. Yeah. You know your face muscles hurt after you smile for too long? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Do, well. Danica's doing the, uh, the queen's wave. <laughs> what are you doing, Danica? Oh, Danica's doing it. That's good. Very fluid she, There's wave. no camera on her. Danica, you have good technique. It's elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist. <laughs> elbow, elbow, <laughs> wrist, wrist. There you go. Listen live. The Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile. <laughs> Subscribe and leave feedback on iTunes or wherever you do that thing. Uh, we don't have another song, do we? No. no. Go back to the last show. You can hear uh, what you're supposed to do, which is request a rejoiner. Ben, what kind of uh, what kind of tunes are you listening to these days? Do you have a suggestion for a song we can play for uh, during during our breaks? Oh man, I don't have. I do not have a good top of the mind suggestion right now. I listen to a lot of classical music in the office, honestly, which I feel like is not a, the best for radio. Uh, uh, I love it. There is this woman whose name is Angelique. I have to pull up my Spotify right now. Oh, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll cut it out and post. Okay. While we wait. Uh, and while we wait, we have some nice classical music. It's Beethoven's 7th. You didn't have to tell me, Scott. Please. <laughs> You guys want the name here? Yeah. Yes. Angel, Angel Dubois. I'll type it in. That's Angel Dubois. Angel Dubois? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here. Ben just Ben just texted it to me here. Okay. Okay. Angel Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> Literally never how I thought I would hear classical music described. <laughs> dope and known. Dope. Is this, is this it? This is good. Violin. I love violin. Me too. That's her. That's 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 uh, Angel. Angel Dubois. Angel Dubois, the violinist. Uh, she plays the shoulder guitar. <laughs> <laughs> she slapped the bass. Okay, so are we going to use uh, are we going to use uh, "Life" by Angel Dubois yeah. as a as rejoiner? Yeah, let's put it on okay, the mix. here. Let's hear. Let's try, it, Jay. Let's. Uh, okay, we're coming back from break and. We're back. That is classy. Welcome back to PBS. A special presentation <laughs> of the Sour Hour. Don't forget, we are selling commemorative tote bags on our website, pbs.org. I feel like I should do the Alec Baldwin sweaty balls routine during this, too. <laughs> like, 
What's yeah, that, NPR? NPR. <laughs> we need a, um, uh, a liner. Hey, this is Vinny at Russian River Brewing Company. I'm getting funky on the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gelarto. And we're back. Okay, yeah, this is off the rails. Yeah, good times. <laughs> Hey, Ben, I screwed up the order, by the way. I never opened uh, Homo Nucleus. Should I go right to Dog and Pony, or should we go back to Homo Nucleus? I think you said Dog and Pony next, right? uh, hom- Homunculus is uh, kind of like a red pail. Did, like, what did you uh, pronounce it as, Scott? A Homo Nucleus. <laughs> Angel Dubious. You know what? Uh, ben, Ben, are you serving me like 12% beers with no ABV on the label? Because I feel lit up oh, right these, now. These beers are literally all like 7 to 8%. <laughs> I'm a lightweight. What happened? So we're just we're just like this. Is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, we can take tumunculus. It's, it's but it's it's definitely out of progression. Uh, my, yeah, forgive me, man. That's totally my fault. You typed it clearly, and I just skipped it. Well, all, all the beers are good. So I'm just uh, I think he's doing homunculus. Um, ben, can you remind us all uh, what beers? And I, you know, I don't want to embarrass you, but you never bring it up on your own. But what beers did you guys win for at JBF this past year? Because you must have been tired getting up and down all those times. Uh, <laughs> we so we we won for our uh, rye beer, which is called Rye Curious, a pale ale with rye. For a new beer, that's our new six pack IPA called Stay West, that won in the strong pale category. Um, and then for Passion Fruit Sour was our win in the American Fruited Sours category, where the judge decided that there were no gold medals despite. <laughs> <laughs> And then breaks at IPA one in the American IPA category. Wow! So, you so, so, not, so not very competitive I, categories yeah, is what Jesus. you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, uh, strong pale ale, fruited sour, IPA. That is rangy. Those are three of the most, like the top six, seven, maybe, maybe not even maybe the top five How most competitive categories. It's amazing. And I think I'm of the belief that once you're above, a, like if you're above 80 entries, it's all equally the same. I mean, sure, like 250 is more, but you know, I don't think there's much of a difference personally between a, a category that has 85 and 185. Just the way that it's judged, you're, 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 you know, you're trying to be one of the three best beers on the table. I disagree. I think you should have gotten <laughs> 26 medals for what you just did. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> so what we, we ended up doing uh, homunculus, is that right? Homunculus, yes, it's in our glasses now. <laughs> so tell us about this beer, Ben. Uh, homunculus is probably of the beers that you guys have from us, the least sour. It is um, maybe the one that's kind of, I think, pretty true to how we like to push Brett beers forward, which is relatively low phenol, kind of high ester, and like just a, a little like gentler overall in terms of like, all and deep barnyard funk. We have a few sensory folks on our team who don't really like. They describe most Brett beers as poopy, and I feel like that's a good, <laughs> um, good balance to have on your sensory panel. Like for our team, it's because it prevents us from going too far into that range. But yeah, it's a blend of six different wood-aged Brett beers that were just primary sack and then. A single Brett strain. They were aged extremely long. I think all of these were about 24 month or maybe even longer beers. Those were then blended with a uh, more straightforward kind of Brett American pale ale uh, that was stainless to kind of freshen it up. And it's, you know, for me, it's like kind of this interesting beer that really, frankly, is like less popular. Um, it's not the kind of thing that a lot of people are into because. It's not super acidic and it's not fruited, and it's really just about 
Brett hops and yeast. I love those beers, but they're a hard sell. I know I'm speaking for Jay here. That, yeah. Like this is right, maybe for like you know the Gen Pop or whatever. But this is right <laughs> Have up you been our alley. <laughs> this is it's just such a terrific beer. It's like the it, it's such an, a beautiful expression of the Brett without being a Brett bomb. Like you know it's just there and balanced. And uh, man, I mean this is an easy sell for me. But I I can see what you mean that it's kind of like riding sort of straddling a bunch of different genres so it's like a tough sell for the public but i mean jay you tell me if you disagree but man this beer is just like it's perfect i could drink this all day i would just rename this beer peach rings yeah it has you know, peachy candy, flavor it, yeah it, 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 you don't eat fruit in this you beer sure you're not drinking dog and pony show <laughs> i beer was peachy too we are not no the, the, i get i get a strong peach flavor out of this kind of goes back to our discussion about Building a base beer, and sometimes you just want, I don't know, what do you, Danica? Yes, peach? You get peach from yeah. that, too? Yeah. yeah. No. I, I do. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I, I get it. Uh, yeah. I hope the next one you just have, Jay, taste, well, you just say peach ring. That's what I'm hoping for, but that's a, that's a peach beer. So. The next one, okay. Well, okay. you know, we'll, we have enough to do side by side, but, okay. yeah. but really what I was getting at is just the base beer here has so much awesome going on, and... If I had brought that beer, the homunculus home, and, you know, it's like I'm starting to cook dinner and, you know, my girlfriend's coming home later, I'd probably try to finish it by myself before she got <laughs> home selfishly. Sorry, baby. It's what can I say? Oh, no. Like, yeah, I had to pour that out. It wasn't very oh, good. Yeah, it was like, just so I can. But I, it's really what I'm getting at is that it's a beer I could drink the whole 750 milliliter bottle of yeah, easily. Fabulous beer. So well balanced and drinkable. And I mean, all the beers have been wonderful. But yeah, th- this is it's not it's not neither better nor worse. But uh it's it's just uh, it's just wonderful. It's so, fabulous beer. I'm glad you enjoy it. And do you guys at, at Rare Barrel find that this is this sort of style that's like Brett but not heavy acid is a, is a challenging thing to present to customers? Well, are you even you're not even brewing anything like that, really? Are you? Sure. Yeah. You are Brett and not heavy acid. Yeah. I feel like that was what a lot of the, when I was just visiting you a few weeks ago, Jay. I feel like a lot of the beers kind of fell into this this category, and I was, yes. it fascinates me. You Scott know. has slipped and hit his head and forgotten about <laughs> the last seven months. Well, maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe now, like I was saying uh, before, we got on the air for the first show. Yes. Like uh, it's this sort of like next chapter of rare barrel experiment where the acidity level is you know much more subdued than previous. So maybe maybe now your beers are fitting into that category, but they they really haven't been heretofore. I mean, is that fair to say? I can't remember ever tasting anything from Rare Barrel that's like this beer. If you know, like a what is it, like a bell curve, you know, the, yeah. the shape of a bell curve. That's that's probably what our what our acidity has looked like in the past four years. Yeah, maybe not that extreme with like the huge kind of uh, camel hump kind right. of shape of that, but or bell. Th- or bell. <laughs> Just if if some people out there are unfamiliar with bells, because okay. you know. Now there's anyway, Scott. Okay. It's all digitized now. There's not a lot of bells. Did you think it was named after Alexander Graham? Yeah, he, he always wore skirts, so <laughs> you know, it like flared out or like bell bottoms. Okay. I thought that was the same thing. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Now this, this is awful. <laughs> Alexander. Sorry, Danica. Okay. <laughs> Where are we? Uh, the the bell I, curve of the acidity. Yes. 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 Yeah. We, there's plenty of beers that we have that are. I mean, you you tried Cosmic Dust, and to your point, to your question, Ben, about the challenge of presenting this and having the the beer consumer, the beer connoisseur, valuing this up at the same level that I feel like brewers do. 
Certainly, yeah, that's a that's a that's a main challenge, but that's that's kind of a core challenge for for all craft beer. And, and maybe this may be a little off topic for for this show, but do you find you have to make the same types of maybe compromise is a strong word, but just the same types of uh, thought processes when it comes to your your hoppy beers or your lo- I mean lagers are there's you can't make it more like really intensely lagery or anything. Maybe if it's like a Doppelbock or an Icebock, you have the alcohol go up. But with your hoppy beers, Ben, do you feel like you kind of sometimes hit a point where, hey, I really like the hop character of this, but, you know, I think we will need to go higher in order to, you know, really match what our our fans, our consumers are expecting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think about this for us with in terms of hoppy beers and with sour beers. You know, we look at it and say... I mean, we make a really wonderful Cascade Crystal, all Oregon-grown kind of, I guess we market it as an English IPA, and no one buys it because, you know, they taste it. And even if they think it's totally fine the beer, there's a desire for something in that category for the drinker who's coming into our places and looking for a hoppy beer that wants tropical, fruity, juicy fruit, classic evergreen pine even, you know, but like kind of leafy red fruit and orange peel is not what they're after. And I, I, we're, I feel lucky that since we're not known as a kind of exclusive sour beer brewery, that we can put out a beer like Homunculus, which is a little bit more Brett Ford, a little bit more kind of like we call it a rustic farmhouse pale. It sells fine. But if that were a beer that we were trying to actively rebrew or a category of low acid Brett Ford pails that we were trying to make, I don't. I think that we would find consumers coming back to us and just saying, "No, we want your high acid fruited sours instead," and that would be very challenging. I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there, there's so much wonderful nuance in sour beer, and you don't want to lose that. But at the same time, you know, if that's if that's one lane of the road, that's a great one that uh, sour beer makers really want to go down. Mm-hmm. There's another lane where you know more heavily fruited. And maybe maybe that includes higher acid beer that you're talking about, Ben, or maybe not. It's just, you know, uh, a stronger fruit presence. There are certainly challenges to doing that well as well that I think we're all interested in pursuing. And uh, and I'm sure the same things come down come down the pipeline on, on hoppy beer. Um, but one, one, th- one thing I just while, while we have you still, Ben, and you've been very generous with you. With your time, uh, we won't keep you too much longer. You did what I would consider, uh, and you know, not to flatter you to death, but you were on a, a panel at Crafters Conference with uh, some other Portland breweries, talking about kind of just your best practices in kettle souring. With kettle sour beers exploding in popularity amongst producers, I think making it more able for people without you know huge barrel rooms to make sour beer in breweries all across the country i think that was timed very well and i think you guys all did a great job on that presentation i say this a lot on the show that if you just google uh, like your name dot with dot pdf or you know anything about kettle souring and craft brewers conference it comes up on you can i don't think this is true of many of the craft brewers conference uh, presentations but you can download that PDF online, and I've recommended a lot of people to do that because there's a lot of great info. But for those who weren't able to be there, maybe they can't get the MP3, they weren't in the room, 
What are some of your best tips on how to make a great kettle sour beer? I think the first thing that I encourage people to kind of like a, a goal to get over, especially once you've done your first one, is to acknowledge that like getting wort acidified is now not a super difficult thing to achieve. You know, there's like a lot of information, some of which came from our presentation at CBC a couple of years ago out there, but there's also a lot of other fantastic information on Milk Funk and other, you know, lots of other um, sources. Sour Hour. Sour Hour. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like to me, it still remains like the kettle souring or word acidification or whatever you want to call it, quick souring is not a means to an, it is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself, you know. Not to, you know, get on the moral, I guess, the, the soapbox for a second here. I think that there are too many people who just still feel very happy with the fact that their wort has acidified. And that, that, like, you know, you've got something sour, you push it through fermentation, and that's a sour beer. And, yes, I mean, the, there's some perceivable acidity there. But to me, a really wonderful kind of quick acidified beer can be refreshing and balanced and that sour component is one element of a much larger brewing process. So I encourage people to look at how they're measuring TA, how they're measuring pH, what their inoculum content is, whether, you know, what their kind of cleaning process and CIP process before inoculating any work stream is, and then what the blending process is on the back end. How are you keeping yeast healthy through fermentation? How are you achieving a terminal gravity that's still very low and gives you a dry uh, kind of fun sour beer that's spritzy and bright and scrubbing on the palate and refreshing. That's not a, um, I think one descriptor I hear a lot is cereal milk, you know, from kind of average or underachieving kettle sour beers that has a lot of dextrinous or kind of quasi-THP-like character. I think that there's like a lot of, it's all this kind of other processing around the souring itself that sets you up to do that sort of beer well. So how do you get away from that cereal milk quasi-THB for the, for the brewer out there who just heard you say that and they're like, oh man, like I agree. I want to, I agree. It's not a, you know, it is, a, it's, it's just one tool in the toolbox. It's not the whole, you know, tool shed. I don't know where yeah. I was going with that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, and, and, you know, the, the light bulb clicked on with them when you said, the, the cereal milk and they want to do things better H have you seen a progression in your kettle sour beers your you know acidified wort beers that has has or, or a process that you have changed that really improved things or have there been any you know big kind of uh, innovations you've done or or things that you can share with people to have their beers go a little bit better yeah, I mean, I think that, so a couple things that we do, just as a matter of course, we increase pitch rates uh, for our ALE strains in there. We used to use a cold strain for a lot of those beers and found that over time there was a really negative uh, kind of vitality issue with those strains, even three or four generations. In. And we never, for what it's worth, we never harvested from uh, a sour pitch, of course, or sour ferment. But when we would harvest even a, say, an 029 type yeast from White Lab, which is a yeast we like a lot. But you get like four or five generations in, it doesn't do as well in a low pH environment. We'll leave some of those characteristics behind. So 
working on doing things like so we've gone back to using chico but we use uh to cut down sulfur levels we use copper in the bright tank on those beers and we also increase pitch rate use a good bit of yeast nutrient across the board in those beers and that really helped drive that terminal gravity on the mixed fermentation down for us because um for all of our kettle sour beers we never do 100 percent kettle soured it's always uh, a double batch where 50 percent has been kettle soured and 50 percent has been uh it's just kind of a normal work stream so that's also how we balance a little bit of our like acidity as we keep that in check by pulling back with a non-sour work as well awesome and we've popped open uh dog and pony show as well which i really want to get into but and the segment might run a little bit long. I just uh, I, I got to ask about the copper because that's something that's really um, I've, I, I looked into when some of our earlier on barrels got a little bit uh, sulfury. And from my research into it, I kind of, you know, I, I have heard of people having like, a, you know, while they're racking into a tank, a certain length of like copper pipe goes into that. But then you can't really tell how much copper you're getting into it then i also looked into okay then you could use actual like copper sulfate and you could dose that straight into your beer and that would kind of i don't know if dissipate is the right word but basically like scrub out the the sulfur component in your beer but but how do you approach that and uh i think that's something that a lot of people would also be interested in yeah we just i mean it's pretty rudimentary we just have a a a nine inch copper pipe uh, maybe a half inch or three quarter inch in in terms of diameter and internal diameter, and we add it in a bag in the bright tank as we transfer the beer on top. And you know we we would never do that at breakside for a for a hoppy beer, knowing that the oxidation component there is going to scrub any hop aroma that we want. But in terms of if there's a little bit of residual sulfur, a little bit higher, you know H two S or SO two coming through from a kettle sour beer, a fermentation on a very low pH wort, we have found that we're able to pretty well eliminate any any objectionable sulfur from that by just having that copper in the bright tank. So it goes in before we purge the tank. After CIP is complete, it's been sanitized, you know, clean and sanitized, goes in a sanitary bag, pre-purge, uh, and then it just stays in there during the duration of our during our lagering or I guess during our conditioning time in the bright tank. And how long is that? From transfer until packaging on a kettle sour beer we're typically about five days. Okay. That's a good benchmark for those out there who want to try that. So we've got Dog and Pony Show open and certainly yes I do get peach character out of this beer. Um, <laughs> it, it actually I don't know if it's just because I've drunk is that the right uh, past tense? <laughs> yeah. Of You've drank drinking. Uh-huh. Uh, one of our I wouldn't call it flagship but one of our big sour beers is Dana Collapse on me. Uh, home Sour Home, I, I kind of like infer. So that's a peach, cinnamon, vanilla beer. Mm-hmm. I like can get cinnamon out of this beer, strangely. Oh. Uh, is that just me, Scott? Or You might be getting, you might just have like a, uh, like a the palate memory or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't get that out okay, of this Okay, so it is just me, but this is wonderful. Hey, there, there's a, it's not cinnamon, it's chamomile. Oh, interesting. There is chamomile. Oh, there you go. I'm not sure I would have picked that out. Um, so tell us about, uh, you know, making this. Is this from the the farm that we got the, we had the apricots from before? Yeah, this is the Woodside. It's Baird, Baird, uh, Baird Farms, uh, Oregon-grown peaches. 
Again, it's about a pound per barrel. These are this is from uh, 2016 harvest, and barrel the peaches are in the barrel during fermentation. So we're racking straight from the brew house onto the peaches, orchard yeast, uh, whatever you want to call it, from the fruit is included. There is no hops in the wort on that. It's uh, just a little bit of chamomile. We blend some uh, breaded bearded garden post. That's part of the final blend on Dog and Pony Show. Hmm. Um, that's more traditional kind of like golden bearded guard with a little bit of Brett Brooks. And, but in terms of the majority of that beer, it's a... Uh, yeah, a chamomile heavy wort into uh, second-use Pinot Noir barrels, relatively neutral, a little bit of kind of character left in them, and then peaches in the barrel at about a pound per gallon. What do you think of this beer, Scott? Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, um, it almost ha- it has like a it's p- sweet characteristic. I mean, mm-hmm. as, as, as firm as the acidity is, the peach character is sweet to my palate. So it's this m- wonderful dance of like... Sweet peach candy, but not candios, more like a pie mm-hmm. filling, but then the acidity, man, and you know me, you know me in stone fruit sour beers mm-hmm. is right good. up my alley. I agree. I, I really like this beer. I, I don't get a, a firm acidity out of it. Really? Um, I, no, not not too much, but I mean, maybe, you know me. Maybe it's like a tang from the fruit What's this or podcast something. called? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, is it like, do you get like a, a fruit tang? I mean, I certainly, it's a it's a it's a sour beer. Danica is nodding yes the, for the fruit tang, but yeah, I, I mean, firmly acidic is like okay. I don't know, maybe a, a bridge too far. Well, but. after having the uh, pale ale from the rare barrel earlier, it all tastes super <laughs> acidic to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this is this is a, a very good beer. Funny that you mentioned that about the acidity because, like, for us internally, that is like almost un in in like disputably the upper end of acid that our kind of crew gets into. There you like go, Scott. Beer to be the <laughs> most acidic we would ever make a beer. Coming for your job, Goodwin. That's right. Well, I mean. Hey, you know what? No, <laughs> like, that's in your wheelhouse. I love, I love, like, hearing people who, because I've heard people have reaction to that beer where they say, wow, this is the most sour breaks I've ever had. I don't want to drink anything like this. And then it's cra- it's very refreshing to hear someone be like, yeah, this is, like, average <laughs> i think jay's palate is just fried i mean again what's the name tonight, of the show in general yeah <laughs> no, totally. I, I do drink a lot of sour there you beer, go so. well you know and, and you know now that you work full-time for the bn maybe i oh, should yeah, just full-time. step yeah. into the, your role at the rare barrel and it'll be like nothing ever happened i will sign up for that <laughs> <laughs> awesome but it's a wonderful beer a uh, ton of ton of great peach character and uh, really cool to taste side by side with the uh was it hom- homunculus? Is that homunculus? Yeah. I'm, oh, sorry, Scott. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm going for uh, my fourths of this, and uh, you know, all all four. Yeah, of these, no one else is going to get any of no, this. Yeah, I'm not sharing <laughs> this with us. All four of these beers have are just uh, just terrific, and and they're all really different. Yeah. You know? I mean, if really you told good. me this was four beers from four different breweries, I'd believe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four different very good breweries, but they're they're you know these are these are rangy and, and really just great. The thing I look for in in breweries that I think we admire and, and emulate is. A range of character. I love. I mean, I love some breweries uh, who are big sour producers in the United States who have kind of a more distinctive, like I guess you'd call it a house character that you can identify beer to beer. But I really, really admire places where you, they're kind of chameleon-like and can interweave, you know, change their change their profile. And um, that's certainly what we're trying for. It keeps it fresh for the the brewers and, and blenders as well. Totally. You know, gotta so, keep yourselves entertained. Yeah, you want to you, you taste beers for. Yeah. 
yeah, you taste beers from all these different breweries, and it's like, okay, well, let's make some of like that because I want to drink that all the time, not yeah. just have one bottle of it. Sure. And uh, that inspires us as a as a community, I believe. Indeed. So Ben, I want to get you out of here because you've been very generous uh, with your time and and your beer and your knowledge. But before I let you go, I have to ask you one last question. What's the biggest mistake in sour beer making? And you're going to do it over a bed of uh, life. I think that the biggest... I think that there remains a lot of beer that's unfinished that gets put out to market as kind of complete beer. And that's where I feel like blending is the real art of this. And I know it's challenging if you're a small brewery who doesn't have a lot to pull from in terms of projects to put something together compositionally that's a really complete beer but i feel like there's a lot of really interesting beers that i taste that are kind of hit one note you know they hit like a really good fruit or they hit a really good bread character they hit a really good acid but that's it and i'm excited for the point when we get to the when we see more beers on the market that have a lot of depth to them true words were never spoken <laughs> I think that's yeah, an excellent answer. I agree. I, that, that, I, use that, I find myself using that word quite a bit these days as it, as it pertains to beers I'm, I'm drinking, especially with all the kettle sours on offer. While many of them are, are very good and um, more the sours and more, across the board. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and more and more are, are off flavor free, but they just kind of lack depth. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're clean and great and, I, and, you know, worthy of admiration and stuff. But there's just the depth isn't there. Yeah, I don't yeah. usually cite like the BJCP and the AHA for like their criteria they use for evaluating beers, but I remember, and st- I think this may still be part of their sheet that talks about how beers that deserve really high esteem should be like intriguing and or beguiling or like exciting to the palate. They stimulate. and sourceling. Even if you want. <laughs> there you go, Jay. <laughs> but that that to me is a big a big part of that like last element of, of a great beer i would yeah, agree they, you know people out there listening this coming from not only a a beer judge but the guy who you know other beer judges taste his beer and then they just <laughs> give him truckloads of various precious metals just <laughs> yeah. back it up to break breaks that brewery beep, on the dock beep, yep beep. leave all these gold silver and bronzes here <laughs> Ben, thanks so much for your time tonight, and uh, you know I appreciate uh, everything you're doing at, over at Breakside, but also uh, we look forward to working together with you on the, the Sour Wild Ale Guild, and uh, I know uh, a lot of people have been looking forward to your appearance here on the show, and uh, I think uh, while, while they didn't get to share your beers, they'll appreciate your knowledge, and uh, we appreciate you. It's a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for the time. It's been really fun. Awesome. Absolutely. See you soon, Ben. See you, Ben. Oh, my God. And thanks for sending in the beers. Awesome. Oh, the beers. Awesome. Oh, awesome beers. I'm drunk. I'm, li- I'm lit up right now. I'm truly lit up. Oh, that's a good, good, another good song. Do we have the quantum leap music, by the way? I'll let you work on that <laughs> yeah, okay. and then as we get a break. Perfect. Um, you know, Ben mentioned, uh, you know, the AHA, you know, kind of saying, hey, the, the best of the class should, should, uh, be beguiling and intriguing yes. and sourcing. Um, yeah, don't be a wise guy. There you go. Another, another great drop. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part and sourced. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is. Very yes, good reference. Hey, yeah. Look at me. I want to let you guys know, speaking of the AHA, go on to thebrewingnetwork.com, and if you're either going to renew or sign up for the very first time for a new membership, click through the page on the Brewing Network. Um, you know, you're going to get 
uh, two free books if you use the code BNARMY17. So that's BNARMY17. And you're going to get two free books with your membership from our good friend, San Anonymous, Brewing Local, and For the Love of Hops, which are also both great books. We have them at the Rare Barrel. And just as a side note, Stan's a great guy. Indeed. Okay. So was that just the first segment? Yeah. Yeah. It was, right? Yeah, it was. We, we, I some, wanted to, we, have, yeah. we have some other stuff to do. Yes, we do. I wanted to keep Ben on to get to all that good info. I'll just quickly remind you guys to listen to other BN shows. Bruce Strong, Dr. Homebrew, Brewing with Style in the Session. And now, Scott. Yes. Let's take a break and go out to... He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al. An observer from his own time. I forgot about Al. I've never seen Bebo so animated. I loved Al. Sam can see and hear. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong. Danica, you gotta watch this show. Each time that his next leap will be the least cost. He's just trying to get home. This is it. This is so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. We're ready for break when you are. Top-notch content we provide on this hour. Boys and girls, we'll be right back after this. Hey, my brood brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer. One that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Hey, this is Jeremy from Brewery to Roo. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right. We are indeed back. Having a good show. A lot of good beer. Another big thanks to Ben from Breakside. Excellent. Oh, those bottles are gone now. Oh, yeah. I, they must have been taken out from under my nose because I specifically said I'm drinking the whole bottle and it's not here. That's all right. Uh, I want to thank a couple more of our great sponsors. The Wine and Hop Shop at wineandhop.com. It's where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria. From Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast, most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, BN listeners in the continental United States get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds is in our BN shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop. What? Uh, what? Uh, oh, you, nah, were, you were going so good. <laughs> what was, happened? No, I was doing fine. Wine and Hop Shop, <laughs> wineandhop.com. All right. 
Yeah, again, thank, thank you to Ben. A lot of good beer. Oh, man. Um, we've got some new beers to try yep. and uh, some new people in the studio. Roger's here with his uh, homebrew beer. And what what is the, first of all, just say hello and then tell us what kind of beer you brought us. Hello, I'm Roger. Hey, Roger. Welcome to the studio, man. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. Where are you sure. from? Why, why are you here? I'm here with my wife, Amanda, and um, we were honored to uh, be accepted to come on and hang out with you guys so you could try our Flanders Red. And I brought some more traditional beers for you guys to try in case the Flanders is just terrible. Very traditional. Roger and I were talking off the air about uh, he's got a Kentucky Common over here, which I had never heard of before. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, you know, pretty similar to California Common. Maybe like the grist is a little different, but uh, anxious to try that. But we can't can't talk too much about that because it's not a sour beer. And this is a sour (laughs) beer podcast. Well, maybe maybe we'll do that off air. And maybe that'll be the off air when we, uh, we record on. But uh, yeah, I, I say let's uh, let's pop it open. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, maybe you can, while Scott is pouring this out, you can tell us a little bit more about the uh, the brewing and, and fermentation process, Roger. Um, strictly for the Flanders we're talking about right now. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, I say Flanders. I should really try to stick to calling it at a an American red sour ale. I was inspired to brew a sour probably as far back as uh, five years ago when I started to brew. I was drinking a lot of different beers with my brother randy who got me into home brewing um we started with a uh, mr beer kit at his house and um by the second batch we brewed he had invested about 900 dollars in equipment <laughs> and we had a, ke- a kettle and uh, a burner and so i you know i i give a big shout out to my brother because he got me involved and i'm sure amanda really appreciates that oh yeah <laughs> she looks thrilled <laughs> within weeks of uh, starting to brew with him i was um i was telling her oh it, it's going to be cheaper it's going to be cheaper yeah. for me to drink beer that i brew at oh, home that's the argument yeah, you yeah, sold yeah, her yeah, oh, it's yeah. so much cheaper than buying you know 12 packs it's for that. our economic future baby just just <laughs> deal with and it and who needs all that closet space I yeah mean. Uh, luckily i have uh, the brew room in the garage it's like oh, that's ordered off anyways I'm, I'm getting off topic it, it's these right these swing tops yeah, the, yeah those specifically are the flanders i brought three of those perfect. and then the other are the white ale and the kentucky coming yep but he started um, drinking sours with me pretty early on, and I just figured that um, it would take some time to get ready to uh, brew sours. It's you know, it's an investment in time, and you also have to do a little bit of research and be prepared to brew a beer like that. So I waited until I found a particular style of uh, wild and sour beer, and um, I eventually um, tried Duchess Bourgeon, mm-hmm. and um, that was like a... My mind was blown when I tried that beer. It was just this perfect mixture of uh, like malty brown ale mixed with a little bit of sweet and sour vinegar and um, a little bit of chocolate and just the balsamic backbone. It just blew me away. And um, after that, I continued to uh, drink other um, Flanders style ales specifically, and few came close to Duchess. I would say Cuvée Jacobins is a is a second place, mm-hmm. and um, everybody else kind of falls to the wayside after that. <laughs> um, so I figured, well, when I can get my hands on a barrel, I'll try my hand at a Flanders Red. And probably within two years, I saw a for sale a Facebook page for um, home brewers to sell their wares, and. Uh, a guy from the Warthogs, actually, he was a, at one point the president of the Warthogs, our local 
homebrew club in Fresno. He was selling a um, Balcones five-gallon barrel. Am I close enough? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Just stay there, though. Don't back off as sure. the show goes on. That's just what as, people just as background, Scott, every new guest you get in here tells him to get right up on the mic. And, you know, usually that's, that's a good thing. People get right up on the mic. But then... It can be a little unnerving being in the studio. He was looking and... at me very intensely. Yeah, sure. Well, that's, that's just his face. It's, it's, it's my eyebrows, face. Roger. I have angry eyebrows like a cartoon character. So everyone's like, like, what's your problem? I'm like, what? I'm just standing here. I don't know. But let me put a finer point on it, Jay. It's not that people get up on the mic. They don't. They yeah, ultimately, no, no. It's they, necessary. Yes. And, and Well, it's necessary, but no matter how much you hammer that nail, they'll still want to stay kind of back here a few inches away. And, and it's like you said. I mean, you know, people aren't used to it. I, I fully understand that. But it's like, you can not talk them into it. You can't talk them into you know, it. I think the secret is to just make yourself comfortable and then bring the mic to you. Like That's you what told you me need to do. And I told ago, you. It's, you know? it's, it's all <laughs> on I'm, deck. I'm pretty, like... I'm okay with being comfortable. So I think yeah, we're good here. Good, I think we're, good. we needed that moment, all of us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyway, so you so you have this homebrew where so a guy named Jeff Dashen, who was once the president of uh, the Warthogs, uh, was selling a, a used Balcones um, bourbon barrel. I think it's bourbon, not whiskey. And um, he had used it once for a stout. And um, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just done with it. And I'll, I'll sell it to you for X amount. And um, 10 minutes before I'm supposed to meet him in front of a John's Incredible Pizza to do this deal, he calls me and says, um, dude, I can see sunlight through the staves. Mm. Um, I thought that I had been rinsing it thoroughly enough with uh, a bottle of Jack. And it's just a mess. I'd, I don't want to give this to you. I, I certainly don't want to sell it to you. And I had already read um, Michael Tonsmeyer's book about American Sours. And um, there's a little bit of background about barrel treatment in that book. And I was like, you know what? I'll take it. You know, name your price. He, he lowered it quite a bit. And um, I took it from him. And it was a mess when I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can show you some pictures. I kind of documented treating it. I soaked it in the sink in my laundry room for like two days with just hot, hot water, continually <laughs> dumping and soaking and dumping and um Amanda is in favor of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was trying to do a load of whites and I couldn't get into my laundry room. Oh, that happens all the time. I'm like, I'm like sanitizing and rinsing all this stuff. And she's trying to like, you know, clean, clean my boxers. It's your underpants. It's yours. I'm like, hold on, babe. I just, I just have these, these hoses, these silicone hoses to wash. Um, So I treated the, uh, I treated that that barrel for a couple of days, and then I waxed it um, with paraffin, and it finally held. Nice. And I was like, "All right, now I'm going to make a now I'm going to make a sour." Um, actually, you know what? Let me backtrack. I'm getting that totally reversed. So, the first batch I made of Flanders, I didn't have the barrel. I can't. Oh, believe. okay. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little excited, guys. I'm a little, you know. That's be, good. Be, <laughs> um, so the first batch I made was in 2015. I just put it in a, a plastic uh, fermentation bucket with, mm-hmm. this, with a spigot on the bottom because I, I like to sample my beers as they're as they're going. And um, about a year later, I had the uh, I bought the barrel from Jeff, and I decided to make the second batch. And uh, around the same time, the first batch, um, the spout started to leak. It just it had been sitting in the brew room for twelve months and started to degrade. I guess, and I was. I think when I was using it to take samples, I, I may have turned it a little bit to the side too much, and it started to started to leak. I think I lost about a quarter gallon. And then so I quickly transferred it to a keg, just a corny keg, and um, I was like, you know what? It's it's basically done fermenting at this point. I'm just going to close it off. 
um, fermented a second batch, put it in the balconist barrel, let that set in my um, in the brew room, which is again, it's just my garage, so it's uh, it's exposed to the heat, and the Central Valley heat is is quite high. Mm-hmm. But I figured this is my first shot at a at a sour, and I'm just going to see what happens. I, I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to meet my my target, and I just figured let's see what a little bit of heat does to these beers, and um, they did something. Um, so uh, <laughs> several months ago, um, I, I went ahead and sampled both beers. The ones that had been the the first batch strain one that was in the corny keg was actually pretty pretty decent. It it, it didn't have that um, sweet and sour taste that I was going for. Uh, you know, as my target being Duchess, I was hoping to stress all of the um, the bacteria and the and the yeast. Um, I used the Rosalaire blend mm-hmm. uh, in all all strains or uh, all batches. And I was hoping that pitching without a starter and exposing it to heat would kind of stress the the yeast out enough to get some of those um, acetic characters that I was hoping for. But it didn't have the the sweet and sour sweetness that I was going for all, at the same time. It's just uh, kind of one dimensional. Mm-hmm. So that was in the first corny cake in the in the barrel uh, when I tried it. I guess just the exposure to the oxygen combined with um, the heat. Uh, that's that batch just went just went haywire. Um, it had malt with soy sauce or umami flavor, mm-hmm. and it was very vinegary. Mm. But I, it had what was in there um, in small doses was was good to me. I was drinking it. I was taste, tasting it out of the barrel, and and I I kind of liked it in very very small doses. So I combined those two. I didn't bleed off any of the um, the really acidic uh, beer from the barrel. I just I just combined them. Then I um, made a third batch, and I did not sour it. I just threw in, um, you know, I can't recall the yeast strain that I used in the third batch. It was a uh, maybe it may, it may have been USO five. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want any additional souring at that point. And then pretty quickly, about a month after that third batch was fermented, I combined that batch with the previous two, the first two. So it's actually a, it's a mixture of three different, almost like a like a goose, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. It's not a lambic. Sure. So I let that set in the keg um, altogether for a few weeks, carbonating at about 8 PSI. And this is what it is. And what do you, from your taste, you you have the, we'll get into kind of our our tasting notes in a second here, but you have the clearest vision of what you were going for and you've tasted along the way. What do you think about what the finished product is? Um, Pretty far off the mark. I mean, it's not an intolerable beer. I don't hate it. I'm going to drink a fair amount of it and give it to friends who are willing to experiment with me, like my buddy Derek, who I had mentioned before. He's really into sours, and I have a handful of others, mm-hmm. uh, my brother included. It's not like I'm ashamed to share the beer or I don't want anybody to try it. It's it's something that I can be proud of in, uh, in a way that I, you know, I, it took two and a half years to make this beer. Um, it was a huge experiment. It took a lot of time. Um, took a lot of my attention, and it was fun to do. So I'm happy with it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a duchess? Absolutely not. You know, What would it have more or less of for you to consider it more on what you were going for? Less 
Acetobacter, uh, if I'm using the terms right, especially with that second batch that I brewed in the in the barrel. I mean, it was just so so soy saucy. It it, it was overpowering. Um, so less less vinegar, and I would have liked to have it contain more sweetness or that sweet and sour flavor that I go after in, in uh, Flanders. Did you I'll, use I'll that? Try some. Yeah. <laughs> cheers, guys. Cheers. He just hasn't been touching his glass there. Meanwhile, Jay and I have been I've drinking had, ours. Trust yeah. me, in the last few days, I've, I've had plenty. I'm sure. <laughs> so, cheers, did you use that uh, that second um, uh, batch that had it was overwhelming soy sauce? Did you did you use it as part of a blend because it had enough other elements in there for you to enjoy it? Like, in other words, why use something you considered unpleasant to try and make something pleasant? Well, I think that when I did that, um, I broke one of Jay's cardinal rules is that you cannot save something that you that you don't like in the beginning. I th- was hoping that if I added just a bit of batch two, and, and, and I did, it was probably about a gallon of batch two went into the final version. And I would say most of the flavors in that beer come from that, from a, a gallon, a gallon and a half of, of batch two, which is in there. Hmm. Um, so I was hoping that a little bit would um, kind of peek through the rest of the just basic malt flavor and <clears throat> um, kind of make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad what you said what you just said with the a lot of the flavors coming from batch two, because after you described that, I kind of felt like, Wow, you only added a little bit of that batch to this? Because no. I feel like, you know, without tasting it along the way, that's kind of what carried for me in this beer. I'll just run down my kind of full tasting notes on this. I think... Give it to me, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing that struck me first was actually, I mean, when you said Duchess, and it's been a while since I've had that beer, I think of that beer as actually a lot more sour than this. So I was struck by just kind of, I like this level of acidity. I, you know, if, if the target is Duchess, then, you know, maybe it, it could be higher even. Um, but if you're, you know, if your very sour batch also has other intense kind of like, you know, soy sauce character going, then you have to stop at a certain point. So after I kind of thought about that for a minute, one thing you did extremely well other than just remembering all this and going through your process and you know having patience and putting in the work to do multiple batches to come out with one beer is you showed blending restraint that's a skill that you know is is pretty unique to have i I don't know how long you've been you know making sour beers or beers in general but that's not something that a lot of people some people never develop it and I think that you've you've shown that in this beer, for sure. Yeah, um, if they have it, they want to use it, right? Yeah, and and so that's the job very well done. I think there's a lot of other great flavors I get out of this. Tons of chocolate, and yep, vanilla, chocolate. Mm-hmm. chocolate and vanilla cookies and cream. Yep, like for days. Yep, which I I really enjoy. And as you're going through uh, what you're talking about, I was you know wondering what proportions of each batch you were using for this and. The only thing that I would say uh, I don't like about this beer, and maybe it makes more sense from the first batch you were talking about, is I feel like it got too much exposure to oxygen. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, like, an oxidative quality to this that isn't awesome, but it's also, like, hard to control on the on the homebrew 
scale just for anyone. So I think there's there's a great beer here, and it's just mostly about you know keeping it away from O2. But I, I mean, I would I would make this again for sure. Oh well, thank you. You know, I keep submitting work orders for um, additional stainless steel vessels to my yeah. boss, but <laughs> I, I, keep, I, I keep, keep getting those sent back to me. Just you know, not going to happen. <laughs> your, your poor wife is shaking her head vigorously over there. Like, Please, yeah. no, no more Reject. things, more equipment. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really like it, it, it is. Yeah, it is tough. Yeah, and then you mentioned the heat, and yeah. uh, I think you avoided. When I think about heat and sour beer, I think, okay, Acetobacter and other acetic acid bacteria will thrive in that, but also Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, Britannomyces, which can all produce small amounts of acetic acid themselves, can thrive as well, especially when oxygen is involved. Oxygen, heat, time. You successfully, I think, avoided all of that. So I, I would say, like, the, you, that's a surprise. the Fresno factor is not... You're you're managing that. Yeah. And I was surprised to hear you say it. I, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I don't get it as much either. When I was down at the brewery, we're in uh, Placentia, and you know the the summers are 100 105 degrees yeah. uh, every day. Without, I don't know if it does the how how low does the temperature get in Fresno overnight? Um, during the summer. During the summer. Um, okay, let's say it's when it's 105. Um, it mm-hmm. might get down to 98. 80. <laughs> 80. Okay. Yeah, it stays really warm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I mean that's a, that's a big dip, but like not. An incredibly huge dip. It's it's tepid and warm. I think you're you're managing that quite well. And this bourbon, the mother. Sorry, I'm just kind of bouncing around. But the bourbon barrel was that like a a full size or was it like a miniature? It was a mini. It was a mini five gallon. Yeah. Yeah. And we did have either that or he has the world's largest laundry room sink. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. So it would be hard to wash your whites in there. (laughs) I was um, I was hopeful that I would get quite a bit of. wood flavor because of the high exposure of wood to, to if that's where the vanilla for me there's like a lot of vanilla yeah. character coming out of this yeah. and you know i think that's from my perspective where that's coming from maybe the chocolate's coming more from the malt but there's so much good in this it's just you you're going you just have the i think the typical challenge which is just like how do you on that small scale without all the bells and whistles we get as yeah. professional brewers how do you keep oxygen away from these beers? And it's it's just really difficult. But, yeah, I don't think, I mean, if I made this beer as a homebrewer, I'd be very proud of it. And I wouldn't say, like, oh, well, I'm going to have trouble that. getting through drinking this beer. I'd, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be drinking this whole thing, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, I, maybe in time. Well, actually, what we're going to do, I was talking to Amanda about it, is um, we're going to go home and puree some cherries. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to add that to the remainder. I like that idea. Yeah, the one—that's the one thing that I regret not doing before bring uh, bring the beer up here is a fruit edition. You've influenced so much of the, of so so much of my thinking about brewing sour beer. And it's your first it mistake. Like, <laughs> it seems like, um, you know, you 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 add a lot of fruit to many of your sours, and I thought, well, you know, if the beer kind of feels one dimensional to me, and and it kind of does then maybe uh, a cherry or raspberry edition, but I'm going to stay with with the cherry edition would would be good. I like the cherry idea, but I do respectfully disagree with the one-dimensional aspect. I I, I think there's a lot of great depth to this beer, and I think that's that's kind of why I was thinking certainly there's things to improve on, but, like, I mean, we've had beers that are just, you know, 
no, like, you can you can get this out of here. Yeah, this is not sure. <laughs> you know coming close to that. There's there's a lot to love about this beer for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, then I'm going to take the rest of the beer with me. I still want to try the Kentucky comment. And <laughs> yeah, of course, I love the beer. And just to just to, to add to what Jay's saying, I'm with you that this beer is not one dimensional at all. It's it's got depth. It's it's that some of the depths aren't ideal, right? Yeah. Like, I still get some of that soy in there, even yeah, though it was definitely. a small percentage of the blend. It, like you said, it was overwhelming to your palate when you tried just that part of the blend. I still get that umami soy in here, which my palate has been trained to find unpleasant in beer. But it has a lot of other characteristics, like Jay's mentioning. It has that chocolate and vanilla. It has the Duchess Rodenbachy sweet sour thing going, yeah. while the sour part is not as pronounced as maybe those beers are. But... Yeah, it's interesting because the things that you've pointed out as your least favorite about the beer, which is like Acetobacter off flavors and one dimensionality, I don't get that. I don't get either one of those things. Well, I think that it pays to be your own harshest critic, you know, and maybe uh, maybe that's why yeah. I'm focusing on all the negative. Um, but yeah, I would say that overall, I'm, I'm still proud of the beer. I, with how long it took and how much work and and worry went into it, I don't know when I'll brew another sour, really, um, because I didn't want to dry out the barrel. Um, <laughs> um, I, I actually made, uh, when I made the third batch, I made a 10-gallon batch, and five of it went into the emptied barrel. The barrel was empty for about two or three days, and, and, I, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to let it sit there. I didn't even add yeast to it mm-hmm. because I didn't empty out the barrel with, of all the dregs. And so all the nasties that were in there when I emptied batch two out were still in there when I added batch three, a fresh batch of, of wort, cooled wort. So um, last time I popped the airlock off of that and stuck my nose in there, it smelled pretty decent. Good. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I know your worry, and uh, I think that's that's another real challenge of home brewing is that you only have so much capacity in... You know, the one sour beer you do takes a year or two years, and then you have to wait to restart it, and then there's some trepidation there. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll just, I'm going to shield my, my face from Amanda's. I, I'd say <laughs> the only way to get through that is to brew more and more and more and more and more, more all the time. She's, you know, she teases, but she's a, she is so supportive. She's such a great wife, and she's been supportive of my, my brewing. I mean, I, I work at a mental health hospital. And um, for years, I was just so negative about work. And um, my buddy was like, dude, you need a hobby. You need to get into bicycling or something. And I, you went the other I'm direction. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. And uh, then my brother, you know, influenced me to get into beer brewing. And she saw how much of a, how much of a positive influence that had on my outlook about going to work and just being, you know, a little bit more relaxed and it's just a, such a cr- good creative outlet. It's like, um, in my mind, it's like alchemy. You know, it's mm-hmm. a great um, combination of art and science, and um, and I'm semi decent at it. And oh yeah, <laughs> you know, so I'm like I'm not terrible. Usually, when I'm trying to get into something, I, I fail so many times. But with beer, it's, it seems to be a little more promising. So I'm gonna stick with it. And she's very supportive. Very good supportive. for her. It's, it's, it's really sage advice that his, yeah. your buddy gave you, and I, I, I'm preaching to the choir on about this the show. About the bicycling, because, or yeah, about the bicycling. Yeah, and and you should listen to him one of these days. No, no, he's but, an avid cyclist. Um, uh, I, I know that everyone listening to this show has the hobby, which is why you're wanting to learn how to be, a, you know, a better brewer. Brewing is your thing, man. I can't believe how many people I talk to that just don't 
their hobby is like watching Real Housewives. That's not a hobby. Yeah. You know, like get, yeah. p- picking a thing Don't outside tell of my girlfriend. <laughs> like a, a thing that you do, and I can, you know, yeah. they just bring. So you talk about depth, just bringing depth and and. Uh, Making everything else better, like your job or your whatever else it is that you don't like, everything just becomes better when you got cool hobbies to look forward to. Yeah, because when it's a really bad day at work or it's dry, you know, my mind starts to wander. I'm thinking about what the next batch is going to be or, you know, something like that. I've heard this story before, and I'm pretty sure it's only a matter of time until you turn pro. That, that's how, that seems to be how it goes <laughs> so often. Yeah. Definitely. You got some it, of this clean side beer, too, in your glass. Yeah, I got some Allagash uh, White Clone. And I'd love to, let's, 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 if you guys can hang out for our next segment, maybe you can come back and uh, yeah, we'll do some. Yeah, we got one more. Some yeah. questions. Yep, we'll drink sure. some beer. Right before we go to break, I want to thank another great sponsor, Oregon Fruit Products, Acept Up Curies, easy to use, convenient to store. No additives or artificial flavors. It's simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. Check them out, fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit, they bring fruit to life, and they come in, you know, whatever, cellophane packs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, don't mistake them for Bevo's wine or she'll cut you. <laughs> That's right. She, she's is not. Bevo here? <laughs> yeah, she's behind she's you. Right she's behind doing the scissor I, I motion. I can finally put a face to the name. Well, there, there she is. is. <laughs> now, uh, better or worse than you pictured in your head in person? Oh, wonderful. Well, it, Much oh, better, yeah, right? Hey, how dare you, Beef? Every I know everyone's going to say <laughs> better. That's I've, why I've I asked the question. You, I've heard you guys' voices are so for years now, and, you know, and it's kind of cool to put a face to the name in the voice. Yeah. Bevo's nonplussed. <laughs> G- great, great vocab, terrible sentiment, Scott. <laughs> Let's save our <laughs> Let's save ourselves with a break. We'll be right back with more of uh, Roger's beer and some questions on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Whedon, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. This is Chad from Crooked Stave, and you're listening to the Sour Power Hour on the Brewing Network. And if you didn't know, it's now called the Sour Power Hour. Do you like that? We're going to have to rename the show. All right. We are indeed back. I want to thank our friends at Neshamine Creek Brewing, GAVF 2017 Medal Award winners for their smoked beer. Three-time Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brew of the Year. I I can't even. I have to change all of my my notes here because it's just dance no clogger, as we all know, and that's going to win again. And it did. Thank you. <laughs> Past Jay, they're going to win for smoke clogger. Yeah, it's great. Prognosticator. 
that it, it's 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 extremely unlikely to you know, predict the award. So I'm I'm very pleased uh, with really myself. You that one, and and you said it way more than once too. I mean, this is I just did, one yeah. show worth of you predicting. Well, no, I gave you a different show too, where I said it. I believe in my email. Mm, I think you just gave me a couple quotes from '67. No, no, I don't think so. Well, hey, look, it's all written down. So let's see. Okay, I'll wait. Jay Goodwin. <laughs> I'm searching my Gmail. Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Yeah, okay, so uh, Jay, pull, pull quotes is the name of the email. There it is. Hashtag win, he says. <laughs> episode 67, timestamp, episode oh, 67, timestamp. I, mis- I miswrote that. Boom. Oh, you did? Yeah. So you're right. Okay, thanks. But I'm also right. No, you're not. <laughs> it's, uh, so 67, I may, may have been Deschutes 1 or 2. It's the, Deschutes 2, yeah. The other one. Deschutes 1? I think it's maybe 66 is the first line. Where I mentioned the, br- like, you know, oh, yeah, they're going to win bronze or, or any medal. That's, you know, what I was referencing before. Yeah, 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 sure. Because I wrote that to you after I had listened to both the uh, Deschutes episodes, and we we actually talked about it a lot during that one. Well, I'm going to put a... St- okay, so I, so you meant to say 66 and 67, which I, were yeah, both Deschutes, so. but I'm going to say even before the Deschutes shows, you were predicting Yeah, I, I was dropping it. Yeah, they're going to win for Smoke Lager. Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> really it's all about me. <laughs> no, it's really all about Neshaminy Creek, and they are multi, multi, multi-time uh, award winners. They have uh, all sorts of stuff, hoppy double IPA, sessionable lagers, Oak for men saisons and sour beers, free brewery tours on Saturdays. Check them out in com. I wonder if they make a uh, award-winning uh, white ale. Not like uh, this one. Ro- Not Roger, like Rogers. Roger might here. This, this is a great is, beer. This have, is very, very good. Have you entered this one in competition? No. I, <laughs> I have really bad luck with uh, competitions. I've placed once or twice with my ciders. Cannot place with one of my beers. Oh, really? The Kentucky Common. Actually, you're... you're gonna drink i think version four or five i i submitted um version the previous version to uh the fresno fair and um oh my gosh they just reamed me gave me like a 21 out of 50 wow um along with along with um dinging me um kevin cox the head brewer of Sioga sequoia Mm -hmm. he was one of the beer judges and he gave me some suggestions as how to make the beer better the the most important was uh treating your water so I got Palmer's mm. book on water science, and um, and you I plan on reading that, or did you get through it? I've, I'm about halfway through. It's it's it's, it's and I tough. I'm an English and history guy. I'm not a chemistry and math person, so it's I'm a challenge. Yep. But with the help of my brother, uh, um, we figured it out, and and that is the most recent version with the salt additions. Nice, yeah, I like this a lot. A lot. Again, I think they're doing a great job getting malt character into your into your beers. I mean, the wit. I mean. You know, it's obviously wheat heavy, but that that beer is very very clean and good. Yeah. But the t- couple of you know kind of darker base beers we've had, yeah, I'd say you do you're doing a great job getting mm, a lot you. of those uh, great kind of darker malt characters into your into your final final product. There, it's awesome. Thank you. I gotta give a shout out to Tom and Allie, my biggest beer brewing fans, and my junior Braumeisters. They they help me a lot in the garage. And how old are they? Uh, they are uh, fourteen <laughs> and ten. <laughs> they, they do a lot of the washing. <laughs> and I, they are. I hear they are listening slash watching. Yeah, right yeah. I think they're still watching. Uh, 
Tom, I think. All jacked up on soda. (laughs) Oh, parents gone. Yeah, they're with uh, grandma right now, so I think it's going to be candy apples tonight. (laughs) Excellent. Well, uh, I think uh, you know. So this is our last segment. This is like we're we're going a little long. Long shows. Poor Beeve. I chanced somewhere to be twenty hours ago. Oh well. She she doesn't. She looks stoked about it. She has she has the same angry eyebrows that I do, the RBF. It's not her. And fault. now she's not listening anymore. She said she would listen, but I'm just saying the eyebrows. Now, yeah, now she's the that. eyebrows thing. We have the. Danica's si- like, oh, they're talking about you. Yeah, we, sorry, I was like, reading something. No. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's we, just how my face looks when I read. See, we have and Bevo is very well aware of the comparison photo between uh, my brother Adam and me, where Adams has John Kerry Ernest eyebrows and I have angry cartoon <laughs> eyebrows. Like you and I, Beef, have that in common. You can get away with nice a little John bit Kerry of that. Drop. Thank you. What is this? What, Danica? This is a group oh. of homebrewers who all brought paprika beer. Paprika Whoa. beer? So they all did paprika. Salad, Where did you get that? And then they choose one. Homebrewers out in the uh, the Brewing Network Studios. Uh, oh, out at yeah. the uh, general <laughs> boardroom. Yeah. 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 And they all choose one, and mm. then they're going to enter it. Oh, cool. Interesting beer. Good times. Pepper all right, let's, let's get to some questions. Let's and then do get it. Out of here, please. Questions brought to us by... Sourbeerblog.com, the longest-running sponsor of the Sour Hour, and now they're opening their own brewery, Sour and Farmhouse, focused in central Pennsylvania. Please help them get started. Join their Founders Club, which includes eight exclusive bottles of club-only aged and blended sour beer, early access to all their public releases, hooded sweatshirt with a zipper, pair of tasting glasses, club growler, and the now famous Metal Challenge coin. <laughs> Not to mention discounts and much, much more. To learn more and join the Founders Club, check out Mellow Mink Brewing at mellowmink.com. And Roger, you were saying yeah. you were uh, reading some stuff on Sour Beer Blog. I forgot to mention earlier that um, I didn't um, I didn't brew this uh, sour until I had uh, read through Dr. Lambic's uh, article on how to brew a Flanders Red. Um, he's uh, he was a huge asset to me, and I wanted to thank him on air for that um, very detailed article he wrote about how to properly brew. Um, so he helped me um, generate my my grain bill and make some make some um, good decisions there. I think. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Detailed article that doesn't sound like him. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. the doctor? Detailed? I don't know how he has time. If he's a doctor and he's brewing and he's writing, the, his blog is huge and very starting well organized. A brewery, yeah, starting a brewery and yeah. yeah. He's got, he's got a motor, Dr. Lambic. Good luck, Doctor. Got a motor. <laughs> All right, here's a question from Christoph. Christoph says, hey, guys, thanks for the show. I recently took up a six-month contract in the U.K., not beer-related, he says, but I've been listening on my daily commute. Roger was just saying he did the same thing. He said, I'm currently going through all the podcasts for a second time. I'm liking this uh, theme wow. of uh, people uh, uh, re-listening to shows, and there's a lot of gems, so it's it's... I understand why people do it, and it's cool. Gem City. <laughs> okay, so here's Christoph has a, a couple of questions. We'll just do one right now. He said, uh, my understanding is that skunked flavor in beer is the result of the reaction of isomerized alpha acid with UV light. True, yes? No one said there'd be hop questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. He said, generally in sour beers, the hopping rates are very low. That is definitely true. In skunked beer... Sometimes. Well, what is an example of a sour beer where the hopping rates are high? Well, what's high? I mean, we hop our beers to around 25 or 30 IBUs now. Mm, I mean, well, I guess, is is that considered high for sours? 
Based on other conversations you've had with sour brewers, are you generally going? What are they going to? Fifteen on the upper upper end of things. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a good sense of the average. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just <laughs> it's uh, okay. Yeah, but so I did. You're allowed to. I wanted to say that. <laughs> he be, he's asking: Is skunk beer with sour still a big problem? He said amber bottles supposedly you know provide the best protection, but green champagne bottles are much easier to come by. I'm guessing he means for like a home brewer. Is that if, if you want to acquire green oh, champagne bottles? Oh, because he's overseas or something like that. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. What, 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 He's in Britain. UK. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we had, go back to our, um, we've we've done two episodes or just two shows. One was a while ago, so I don't know if we were breaking up episodes back then, but the original Jester King show on the Sour Hour, we had uh, Garrett and Adrian Mm -hmm. on. Yep. And we talked about. Le Petit Prince, or yeah. as they pronounce it, Le Petit Prince. That is a great beer. <laughs> which a is fantastic a fantastic beer. beer. So drinkable. And that they intentionally do green bottles, and they actually intentionally leave it in sunlight. Mm-hmm. It's actually a surprisingly brief amount of time, but they, they go for that flavor. So certainly it's a concern, but, you know, I would say take, go back, listen to that, take their um, advice, and embrace it, you know. I think some of the greatest... Innovations can come through limitation. You know, what what do you have access to? And ingenuity comes from, there's no ingenuity from laziness. When everything's just delivered to you and you have all the options in the world, you know, you'll pick the easiest one. You're not learning anything. You're not innovating. Now, you may be looking for the easiest option, but you have a chance to innovate and do new things. So if you're an overseas listener and you have limitations on what you can do with yeast, yeast is everywhere. Bacteria is everywhere. You know, do your own. It's not like in Belgium or the United States or uh, Germany or uh, the U.K. That's not like where all the yeast live. There's no reason that can't be anywhere else. And if you don't have access to glass, then... Embrace it and make it make it part of your your house flavor. Well, let me see if I can drill down Christian uh, Christ, Christian. Sorry, Christoph's question just a little further. So we just had Ben from Breakside on, and Ben, yeah. I forget which of his beers it was, but it had no hops at all. It had only chamomile as part of the base beer recipe. I don't know if it had no hops. He said no. I think he said no he said, hops. I thought he said low. Mm, I think he said none. Well, I think technically, he said it, was it had zero. some. Danica. And it was low. Oh, it was the pot, but it was the pause beer. But it was low. He said low. Really? Yeah. I could have sworn he said none. Okay. So okay, fine. So let's say, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Well, but let let's say for the, the sake of argument, let's sure. say there was none. Sure. And let's say he had just used chamomile or something else. Mm-hmm. I think Christoph is asking if let's say there were no hops in a beer and the beer was in green glass and sitting out in the middle of the Fresno sun, would it not skunk? Uh, it would skunk. It would still skunk. Yeah. So it's not just related to hops. Oh, add no hops. Right. Oh, right. sorry. I, no, it, yeah, no, there, there's no it reason wouldn't. it would skunk. Okay. It wouldn't be good for the beer. Sure, but. for other reasons. You're right, mm-hmm. but he's asking about skunky. Okay, if it was yeah. in Fresno, it would just explode. It would just explode. Yeah, for, okay. It would fly to be clear on my advice, I would go ahead and add hops to whatever rate you want and then just balance out whatever maybe natural skunkiness you get out of it. A little bit can be sort of pleasant to a lot of people's palates and... Unless you're like really against it, and if you are, just you know, put it in a case box. It's yeah. You know, put it in the dark. Sure. And you'll be fine. All right, cool. Thanks for the question, Christoph. And we have more of his questions. We'll get to on a future show. Here's a quick note from Walt Baker. Walt is the brewmaster. Sorry, 
Whit Baker. Well, I'm screwing up names right now. Whit Baker. Uh, he is the brewmaster of uh, Bond Brothers Beer Company. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Jay and Scott, thanks for making this podcast. I started homebrewing sours just before or after the show started, possibly in between the time Jay joked about the show idea on the session. Good that was call in July back. of 2014. And when the show started. So that's like about a month window there where, where in July, Whit might have I guess, yeah. started. Yeah, probably maybe he had his uh, first uh, batch there. He said, uh, anyway, fast forward three to four years, and we have a professional brewery, Bond Brothers Beer, as I mentioned. Uh, and he says, we uh, won a silver for American Style Sour at GABF 2017 in Denver. He said, for disenchantment right. blend number one, the beer was a blend of five barrels, four golden sour, and one red sour. Cool note, two out of the five of the blend uh, uh, that we, two out of the five blend that one were White Labs cultures used in that first homebrew that I kept growing up over the past few years. So we used this homebrew culture to make a pro beer that won a silver at JBF. That is Disqualified. No, I'm just (laughs) (laughs) He said, thanks for the knowledge and the tips on the show. Cool wit. Nice job at JBF. Thanks for the note. uh, Wit Baker is quite a name. It's it's a good one, right? It's It's a good, strong, old-school name. Whole wheat bread. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I thought like an English bank banker from the 1700s. Wits Baker. Baker. Yeah, Wits Baker. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good name. Solid name and, you know, good job on the beer. <laughs> well, now his his uh, note inspires a question for me. He says he used uh, a blend of uh, four golden sours and one red sour. Have you ever blended your three different base whatevers into like you use some red and some whatever? <laughs> Not all of them. We did do a gold and dark blended together into like kind of a light, not a light red, like a slightly darker red and then kind of like a light dark, if that makes sense. Did you like, use like three parts golden to one part red or whatever or something? Well, it's just uh, golden dark. Oh, so, and dark. Oh, I see. Okay. So okay. it's like kind of like more towards the gold side, one's more towards the dark side, but they're gotcha. both like reddish, brownish beers. And then we continued to age them out. And then uh, at the end of all that, we decided, no, they're best together. So we actually intentionally did not blend the gold with the dark completely in the beginning. So we made these two different beers instead, and then we just ended up putting them back together, which we could have done from the beginning. So, uh, <laughs> And it turned out to be a good beer, but it's just like a little frustrating that we did more work than had to be done, yeah. basically. Have you ever experienced anything like that, Robert? Every time I brew. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I brew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every time I brew, it's a seven eight hour brew day, and I'm going in circles. So, yeah, that's yeah, it. You know, you you make your decisions, and they're not always going to work out perfectly, and that's what they call experience, I guess. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that's the bottom line. <laughs> you always have fun doing it. Yeah, let's do a, just a couple more quick ones. Let's I do don't. Them. I don't remember. Um, do you remember the question that was written in about? Uh, can you use a light lager to make like pitch drags into a light lager to make a sour? Something along oh, those yeah. lines, mm-hmm. like so, putting a uh, like. You know, whatever, Jester King dregs in a Bud Light Right, bottle. exactly. Yep. Um, so um, whoever asked that question, um, he he followed up, and I don't remember if I read the follow-up, so I'm just going to do it very quickly. I don't think so. His name's Juan Garcia. He said, Scott, I did end up trying to inoculate my favorite Canadian commercial beer, uh, I'm going to guess it's Molson, with some fired-up Jolly Pumpkin and Oud Beer Cell dregs. I degassed the beer with a milk frother and let it ride for three to four months. <laughs> <laughs> I tried a sample, and it was uh, liquid cardboard, so either the final gravity is too low, or uh, they are adding something to C-block fr- people from this doing the this. It's the frother. Sorry, <laughs> I, probably the frother. I don't know if you could hear my, pick up my reaction on the microphone, but 
<laughs> it is, it's the frother, okay. for sure. Blame the you frother. don't want to froth. That's just exposing it to so much oxygen. Explosion of oxygen, which is <laughs> yeah. the whole point of the frother, isn't it? Yeah, and you don't need to degas it if you're going to do that. You know, <laughs> just, uh, I mean, you're, I assume you're going to transfer it out of that, like, you know, Molson bottle or whatever into something else. By pouring it out, first I would, you know, put see a drink, like a... Blanket. Blanket, thank you. Yeah. Uh, CO2 into whatever container you're going into, like a whatever, one-gallon jar, and pour the beer in there. The beer is carbonated, so it's got its own protection built in as well, which is great for what you're trying to do. And just putting it into the new container will degas it, even though you don't really need to do that, but it's going to happen anyway. For sure. But no frothing. <laughs> don't do that. Just across the board, I can pretty confidently say I can't imagine a situation where that would help. Stick, just leave it uh, with the half and half for your coffee. Other, don't don't bring the frother anywhere. That thing does work. Operation. Yeah, it works it for that. Work you get like a little kind of pseudo latte going. Yeah. in the morning. Exactly. It's nice. You ever make? Don't a, overcook the milk because then it gets that weird yeah. like cooked milk thing. Yeah, I don't want that. That's Funky. bad. You ever make a design in the top of your own latte? All the time. <laughs> Jay yeah. does his own initials <laughs> in his copy. Okay, Juan quickly goes on and says, uh, Later I found a thread on Milk the Funk about this same thing. A lot of people said they would try it and post results. He says, no success stories that I've seen. Although somebody joked that this is the current process for making Goose Island Matilda <laughs> Sophie. That's from uh, Juan Garcia. Uh, there's still, you know, very talented brewers at Goose Island <laughs> yeah, making great beer. Yes. And uh, Matilda's a good beer. Yes. I'll diplomatically say that. But also say... Uh, and I won't name this brewery, but uh, they did a Brett bottle-conditioned Smirnoff ice. Ooh, what? It was good. It was it actually. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Especially, it especially doesn't surprise me considering the la- one of the last times I was at the Rare Barrel, somebody might may or may not have made me chug one of those. May or may not. Was it, there a lot of residual sweetness? Uh, not in the Brett one, but yeah, of course, mm, across the board in the uh, Smirnoff Ice yeah. regular. <laughs> <laughs> a Brett bottle conditioned Smirnoff Ice. Yeah. I'd try it. I, I, in fact, I did. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Do that with Zima next. Ooh, oh, if you can find it. bring it back. Yeah. Look on eBay or something. <laughs> <laughs> you thought craft beer was going for a premium on eBay. Check the Zima. We can't place. find oh, the Zima. Zima. We've been looking high and low for Amanda. We cannot find this. Thing. Was right. that your drink, Amanda, back in the day? Well, it came back for a little while. It did. Yeah, it made a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you can, send us an email. Scott at the Brewing Network. Yes. Jay at the Brewing Network.com. Zima sources. <laughs> yeah, we'll forward it on totally. to you guys. All right, let's let's wrap it. Poor Beaver has to get out of here, so let's go. Not, no more questions? No, no. Too late. We're, we're mm-hmm. way over time, so let's just get out of here. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Roger. For hey, coming. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for driving now, man. Thanks awesome. for bringing all the beer. It's a great, great experience. Say hi to the kids and grandma. Uh, hey, They're uh, yeah, hey, wired yeah. on Coca-Cola Classic. <laughs> uh, thank you, Bevo, for thanks, sticking Beav. in with us. Great You're to welcome. see you. Thank you to Scott. Thank You're you. welcome. And thank you to Ben from Breakside, all of our sponsors. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, stay sour. You know your face muscles hurt after you smile for too long? (laughs)